It's Ron Brown, LMT, the People's Fitness Professional, alongside my co-host, Mikey Fever. And this is a New Yorker's Perspective. And we have the Dr. Paul Dyer with us. Doctor. All right. And uh, emotional scientist. Can you give us our, uh, uh, can you give us your history, background, wow, education and such? I, I, I will keep it short because uh, I am an old man and I am from the boogie down. So, oh, the excellent. Yeah. Building. Yeah. I hope none of you people are from Brooklyn because I'll have to curse you out now. He's so, from oh, I'm they're... from Brooklyn. You see, there you go. Don't start that. Don't start that. Listen, listen. <laughs> Brooklyn, we, we got jokes. Brooklyn, we got jokes. Listen, don't start it. Don't start nothing. Well, you, nothing. you know where hip hop came from, so let's keep that there. So exactly, we dom- but we dominated. We dominated. Do- dominated. You got Puffy Kill. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you know what? You know what? Right, you know what you gotta let him get that one. You know what? All right, yo. All right so a little short history. Um, I'll keep it real brief, even though I have a long, extensive uh, what I do. I was a, a special operator in the military, was special, was special forces. I was on Delta teams for 10 years. Um, I, I, and then I ended up getting four PhDs, five masters and four undergrads, and I'm a neuroscientist. So, and the the short story of that is, is that my father was a black Panther. My mother was a, an activist and it was always what she has said is to grow strong, to drop fruit for others to feed. So if you're going to be a strong person in this world, make sure you be strong enough so you're able to to grow the seed, to drop the seed so other people can eat. I've been through a lot of stuff, and I I come through neuroscience in a different format than just academia because I, I too, had struggles with – I still am a PTSD and um, all the relationships I've been sexually molested as a boy – so I wanted to delve into how the human brain worked because of sadness, depression, and all those things that people go through that I've been through. So it wasn't just let me learn a bunch of stuff to know a bunch of stuff. I was learning about me. And then after I learned about me, developed myself into a strong tree so I can drop some seed. Wow. Yeah. That was, that was a great summary. Great summary. Now, um, neuroscientists, uh, the brain. Yeah. I want to go into being that we are of African descent and mm-hmm. we have our history. And it, of course, it doesn't start with slavery. No. Um, however, I want to start there and how slavery could have or has affected our brain, DNA, etc., and how it could quite possibly affect our lives to this day. So we're the only culture that actually beats our children in a manner that we were taught to beat the children. We learned that through submissive teaching through slavery. Now, you, you may say that other countries and other uh, religious sects 
do hit their children, but they hit them in a different way. We often used to hit our kids, or and trust me, I was hit the same way until it was changed. And this was through abuse from a stepfather, but my mother never beat us that way. So, and it was because when people come through an education of what is taught to bring things into submission, and that's what slavery taught us. It taught us to eat yams. It taught us to eat collard greens. It taught us to eat um, the, the pig. It taught us to eat because that was what was thrown away. So we actually can keep continuing to be in the slave master by eating what we consider soul food. Now, there is soul food that is coming from the continent of Africa and things you, but you have to understand your relationship to the food, right? Cornmeal and why we develop cornbread, all those things. Now, we're not going to talk about the what the chefs have done or the black cooks have done throughout history when they got into certain kitchens that they were able to perform all these great things. But we're actually talking about what did slavery introduce into our chemistry, into our epidemiology of education. Mm-hmm. That is where we are flawed at. And I, and I know George DeGru had um, written a book called um, Post-Traumatic Slavery. And people have to understand, and, and I know Joyce very she's amazing, but what we have to understand is how do you fit in? How is your relationship to what you are doing? Is it post-traumatic slavery or is it something that you are creating to be better? So if we want to start from slavery, we start with code switching, right? We had black people have learned to code switch between not to get beat and then to develop the, 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 our relationship with our peers. So that's where cold switching come in. So if you're still cold switching and not being what you call authentic, then you're still under the umbrella of being under the slave master. We should not as people have to cold switch, but we were taught to because we don't want to, as black men, we don't want to come off as too strong. As black women, we don't want to come off as too arrogant. So why is that? It, it goes back to like hair and nails for women and, and things that they're doing to. But black men, we had to learn how to we call subdue ourselves to, lo- to allow us to be in a place. And then we can try to shine. That's code switching and that's slavery talk. Mm-hmm. All right. Can I add on to that, Ron? Mm-hmm. What he said is actual, it's an actual fact. Um, shout out to Dr. Joy Leary. I, I forgot she got married to Gru now. I forgot. Um, I remember. I don't, know, I don't know what book you're talking about. So it's, it's a good writing she has. Um, what you said about the whole code switching thing and how people have subdued themselves. That's what society has um, always depicted the black man as somehow some kind of um, his sexuality is is depicted as aggressive. If he's too strong, if he speaks with assertiveness. He's aggressive. Yeah, you understand Again, what I'm saying? Yeah, but that comes from being a buck, which the term buck comes from, an animal, a strong animal. And yes. they used to buck us out as strong yeah. men to breed other strong slaves 
Or if you were that big of a buck, you would have to fight other slaves. So that's where that type of fighting comes in, too. So those terms are not healthy terms for us to keep repeating. And we do keep repeating it ourselves. Yeah. Got you. Which if you keep repeating something, even in a thought, the thought comes to what you call connected, connected activity that the brain holds, which produces different chemistry. We know it as different endorphins, but we also don't know it as thought process, which creates a negative frequency in the body, which creates a sickness, an internal sickness that we keep repeating through our pleasure center because we're getting something out of it. We're either getting not beat or we're getting accepted or we're getting some pleasure, but we're not getting authenticity. We're not getting that. We're not being authentic. This is why drug addicts continue to do drugs. They may continue to do drugs because they like it, but they couldn't stop because of their pleasure centers calling for it. Our pleasure centers have, and it's historical. It's kinetic energy. It's it's what you call kinesiology of movement in the body, but it comes from historical movements, right? So with that genetic structure, we keep enhancing that connection to say, oh, look at me. This is how I am. If you don't look at me, then I'm going to trigger something that you will look at me, which I either have to be subdued or I have to be flashy. I don't, but I'm not being authentic to myself. So the sickness comes with how do we as people or as black people say, how do I be authentic and not be in a sickness of self? You have to understand what you are doing and the reasons why. So I said, well, why would you wear this? Because I like it. That is not a reason. <laughs> Do you know where you develop the like from? Well, I like it. I've seen it. Well, what? Why did it trigger this? People cannot answer that for themselves because they're still triggering something that is far beneath their subconscious that they have never really connected to to their conscious level. So you have a forebrain thought, and then you have what you call the amygdala thought. So the oldest part of the brain is saying, I need you to be this so you can survive. That's not being authentic. That means you're only looking out for sexual pleasure, a roof over your head, food, and, 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 and just you know, reproduction. That's it. That's survival. That's the lowest mouth loss um, um, stage that you can actually be in. And the only way to get out of it is to have a purpose, not to have a purpose on a subconscious level, but to have a purpose on a conscious level of your whys, your hows, your where, your when. If you don't know why you're doing it, it's most likely, it's really highly likely that you're doing it because someone programmed you to do it. Which uh, I want that... This is a good segue into the conscious mind and the unconscious mind, right? So those two minds, um, can you describe what are the characteristics of both? Well, we we know as neuroscientists, we've been debating the unconscious mind for a long time. And um, it we, we do now have what uh, is a chemistry base. We do know that there is an unconscious river that flows in, in our production system of the brain. Um, 
the conscious mind is something habitual. Most people do things because it is habitual. You brush your teeth because it's habitual. But if I ask you why you brush your teeth, you're like, because I want my mouth clean. And I say, well, how come? You're like, because it's good. And I say, well, why is it good? They said, because, you know, I want my teeth white. And I said, is there anything else? Very rarely, most people ever get to the health. They don't understand the health component of the gums or the teeth. Because there's, there's nerve centers in the teeth, and it can trigger pain without you knowing that there's pain. And if that pain is being triggered in your teeth, it's not because your gums are bleeding or because you have a cavity. The teeth still have what you call sensitivity. Our tongue still has receptors of taste. Our cheeks, our saliva, all these things have to be clean. Otherwise, we are continuing to digest and eat food that isn't healthy for us. We can't taste that because of the uncleanness of the mouth. That's why you brush your teeth. <laughs> I mean, so you, most people don't know those reasons. So why are they brushing their teeth? Because I was taught to. Because someone told me to. Because they said it was a good thing to do. But you still don't know why. Okay, so the subconscious, it is often regulated to past experiences, if not acknowledged. We know if you acknowledge anything that you are feeling, thinking, or have gone through, you bring it to the conscious level. But if you don't connect to your feelings and emotions and your experiences, then you just keep that in the, in the background and it runs in the foreground and it changes all your activity. So acknowledgement to be, and this is what meditation comes from. And, and I, and one of those stories, my history is I've lived in a Buddhist monastery for two and a half years, mm. but to, to bring your thoughts to a conscious level is to understand your thoughts, understand where the thoughts come from, understand its Genesis, not just, I have a thought. Why would I think this? How do I think this? Where did it come from? Was I taught this? Did I see this? Did my environment placate this information to me? This is all on a subconscious level until you bring it to the conscious level. Then who's running who? You have your experiences running you. You have history running you. You have things that were taught to you running you. So you're not even running yourself. You think you are. You think you buy that hat. You think you buy those sneakers because you just like them. No. I mean, this is what advertisement do. We get into your subconscious brain to say, you got to buy this. Otherwise, you won't be able to do this or look like that. I mean, the, the human condition has been more studied and black men and black people have been more studied than any race on the planet to get them to buy more black people. Black people have spent a trillion dollars just to buy solicit goods, a trillion dollars. That's a T. And we don't make a trillion dollars as a group, but we spend a trillion dollars. That's not by accident. So you're saying it's programmed. Absolutely. It can only be programmed when you don't know what is entering and how you're receiving it. Now, that's a good point. Now, uh, it's entering through media sources and 
It's entering through your five senses. We take everything through our five senses, okay. as we know, right? So everything comes to us through our five senses. As anything, it doesn't have it, it, media, whatever, it's just the atmosphere. But as you take it in, you're taking it in through what filter? That's that's and if you don't know what filter you're taking it in, in then you're being programmed. If you're taking it because you're in pain, well, that's how you that's how it's going to come out and that's how it's going to affect you. If you're taking it in because you're desperate, well, I mean, your outcomes. Yeah, this is where the science, that's why I love the science. Your your outcome of your own personal inner experience that you're having when we say this life is an experience. Well, mm-hmm. this life is not just an experience, it's an experiment. And that's the one that people don't get missed. They miss because you, your own scientist of yourself, how are you taking things in and how are you distributing the information you get it? Because if you're still focusing on information that was told to you, well, then it's their information. It's the information. But how did you receive it? And why are you disseminating it the way you are? I have a question for you from the way you, from what I'm hearing, from what you're explaining, it sounds like he's, it's, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you're marrying the science on a higher level, like on, on some metaphysical level, the way you, you, you absolutely. Explaining absolutely. That. Well, metaphysics were the physics of, of for history. They decided yeah. to break up the metaphysics and science into um, they start calling it black magic and all this other stuff, exactly. but it has always been there. Um, and then, but so I actually understand the science and the metaphysics and why it connects to chemistry, why it connects to frequency, why it connects to the epidemiology of life, why it connects. So that's what I teach. Most people say, well, you know, if I think this, then what's the outcome? I can teach you what it's triggering in, in your brain. And mm-hmm. how it's triggering your brain. Now, the outcome you already know, because that's why you asked the question. But I can I can teach you what the, the how the, the spine disseminates the frequency throughout the body, which creates your action. All actions are created by you. Mm-hmm. All exactly. actions are created by you. People say, well, then that's what gives you the choice. You do not have a choice if you're being programmed and you don't know that you are. Mm-hmm. It sounds. It sounds like he's going into the science of. Um, it sounds like some NLP involved, as they put it out nowadays. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and I, I do study that and teach that too. But mm-hmm. we don't understand our language and words we use, and how words do disseminate and do infer the brain to react to the vibration of the word. Yes, all words have a frequency. All right. words have a meaning to it. The, the brain does not decipher slang. Okay. And, and that's why we have more young kids who are off kilter because they use so much um, uh, what we used to call it um, slang word. Um, oh, my God. I'm drawing a blank. Um Ebonics. Ebonics. Okay. So you just said the brain. I don't mean to cut you off. You just said the brain does not decipher slang. Can you explain that? So now people use that's fire. 
right? That's a simple one for most commonly used because I know my kids did and I ended up having to teach them to stop doing it. Now, the brain knows what fire is. The brain knows how fire is produced. The brain knows it's, it's a hydrogen. The brain knows all the chemistry of fire. So it does not compute. So when you say fire, is am I in fire? Do I need fire? So the brain starts to go through its process of what fire does for you. It does not understand that you're using it for a pair of shoes. <laughs> so it does not resonate inside the body. Okay, understood. However, consciously, you're you're trying to force it. You're able to see, right? And to yourself, to your conscious mind, those shoes are fire, right? So, are you saying it's your unconscious mind or subconscious mind that's reading? That's not deciphering. Correct. Okay. Right. So so the conscious mind, it, it just stays on the surface. It never really it never really has a, a growth inside the body. That's why if something was that fire, then how can you buy something new? Think about the term fire like, man, this is out, this is this is whatever. Right. This is incredible. You can actually replace it. Mm-hmm. Because I get it. It, but if you say my wife is fire and you say because she's good or my maid is fire, could you replace her just as easy as those shoes? You're like, no, but I love her. That's what the brain knows. I get what he's saying. It's a, it's, it's like, you know, with the with the it, with the words, the frequency, as they say, spelling words are powerful. Yeah. It spells the programming. It's about whether it invokes or evokes certain emotions out of you. Mm-hmm. If I'm correct, let me know. Yeah. So, I, so I get where you're coming from with that. I understand now. And that's very tough for people to really recognize what they're doing and what they're not doing because they're just so programmed into doing so many other things. I asked one kid I work in the school with, why do you call it fire? He goes, that's just what it is. I said, what do you mean what it is? He goes, because they're fire. I said, what does it mean? He goes, they're fire. I said, so what does it mean to you? He goes, because they're they're fire. I'm like, so you have like no idea. <laughs> like you literally have like no idea what it means. He goes, well, I like it. So why don't you just say I like it? Well, I do like it and it's fire. So, okay, so what's fire? Because you separated them. You said I like it and it's fire. So what's fire? It means it's really good. You just, So why don't you just say you like it? Because it's fire. I mean, it's it's like a hamster show. I, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. So, so oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Ron. Because I'm, I'm finally, I'm, I'm understanding why we come up with these bondings, as they say, and certain slang talk. All of that pertains, goes back to PTSD of trying to, old, trying to negate the language that was cast upon us. Correct. This American language. It's not an original language. It's not a language. So that's what it is. Yep. Got it. <laughs> got it now. I see. You got you find Mike. You got the. He like. <laughs> Bing, that's what the light bulb was for. <laughs> now, wouldn't, now, being that the brain doesn't decipher slang. Correct. And people in poor communities use slang often. Wouldn't that lead to more miscommunication and violence? The, yes, the big why. 
Yeah. Yes, yeah, sure. Right. Yes. Meaning the sun. Yes. Right. It means all of that. Most people don't even know what yes really means, but it came from the word uh, sun Ra, but it means Ra meaning sun. And yes is Jesus, blah, blah, blah. But, but it's yes. <laughs> it is crazy how much people are getting killed on disinformation. Right. Or and, and they don't even know it's disinformation. They don't even have the correct information. So they argue against what is uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable is because the subconscious is trying to help defend them. And the conscious level does not know how to connect to it. So they become argumentative. Prime example. You're right. You already know this, Ron. I know Ron's playing. He knows I'm this. I'm not saying nothing about it. Because you know hey, why? what's the secret? What do you guys <laughs> got a secret? No, 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 let me tell you why. In the in 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 the urban in the urban in the community, what we what term we use to check somebody's temperature? Are you good? So Yo, you good, bro? Yeah, yeah. So it's based on the tone that is being said. In are you good? And it's like, mm-hmm. yo, they get defensive. What do you mean I'm good? Yo, what's good? Well, are you good? Listen, you're like, hold up, how do I take that? But it's all based on the body language, because remember, all mm-hmm. communication is not verbal. It's body language, tonality, mm-hmm. and sometimes the energy, how the person's saying it. You know, just like, okay. <laughs> so we have to be careful of how we decipher information or how things are said. Now, and I'll give you um, some great experiments that I, I've been privy to is um, tone. And that's a big thing on tone. When your father maybe said, you know, boy, you better take the bass out of that voice. So I guess I can't, you know, I can't reach puberty anymore, right? So, <laughs> so because that's why the voice changes. That's why the vocal cords change. It's not because I'm trying to be whatever. But h- how are we hearing it and why are we hearing it in this tone? So it's not so much what I am saying, it's how you are hearing it and why would it reflect on a negative and or positive for you. Now, if I am a threat to you, it's going to resonate on a negative. If you look up to me, it's going to resonate on a positive. So it has nothing to do with my tone. It has something to do with who you are, where you are in your life, and how you are perceiving things through your five senses. So when people say, well, it was your tone, you came off to me wrong. Well, you could have just got hit by a car. So your your body level, your endorphins are kind of creeping up at a high level. So you're very hype, you're very tense. Your cortisol level is very high. So with that, if your cortisol level is very high, that you just come from either catching the bus or whatever it is that you're rushing from to, and then I come up and talk to you, you're already at a level of anticipation of excitement. So me talking to you, you'd be like, bro, who are you talking to? Whoa. So how are you listening to this really comes from who you are and what you just came from in that moment or what you experienced from me once before and that's what you bring into this new conversation of why are you confronting me this way? That's just tone. Now, hand gestures, movements. We know all types of cultures talk with their hands. But does my hands bother you in the motion it moves? You have to ask yourself again, why does this motion cause such disturbance? 
well, I feel uncomfortable when you're moving your hands that way. Uh, so if we were in a cl- clinical setting, my question next would be, how many fights have you been in? And more often, if it's a nervous or an abusive relationship, an abusive relationship with lots of hands, it's going to it's going to bring out a chemistry of your body that you need to prepare yourself to maybe getting hit or to fight. So look at your surroundings. Look how you were raised. Look how you were interpreting things. So all those, because, uh, you know, there's been there's been a study I, I tell people all the time and this was in um, social psych and that it was a glass um, window and two people were behind the glass and the, the the woman had her arms folded and she is trying to tell him and her head is down and he slams his fist at the table the chair tips over and he grabs his head and walks to the corner and then she looks and then she unfolds her hands and, and then she backs up. And it was just like, people all wrote that they were having an argument. I said, there wasn't having an argument. He just received good news that he doesn't know how to handle. One, I was right, everyone was wrong. But my professor said, how did you know? I said, if he's angry, he would have charged her. He never moved towards her. He didn't bang his fist at her. He just hit the table. And when he stood up so abruptly, the chair flipped. She crossed her arms just just maybe for rest, but she didn't look worried like he was going to hurt her. Right? And the conversation they had is she told them, she told him they were pregnant. Oh, so now that makes sense, right? He's like, I can't believe it. Oh, my God, right? He's like, oh, man, no, right? So that's what he was going through, and she was just, you know, resolved and telling him. But everyone thought there was such an argument. So we have to be careful what we think we see. All right. Now, recently we've had, uh, you know, one of the brothers come on the podcast to talk about past history of a certain organization and Mm. another brother uh, rebuttaled it. And, you know, there's like a a riff between two groups in an organization. And the riff is about history that was, that's probably, Oh, I would say, I'm going to say over 50 years ago. Okay. None of these brothers were there. So I want to talk about memory, history, and trying to decipher history in uh, eras that could occur when trying to do that. First of all, memory is 90% wrong. Mm. And I'll say that again. Memory is 90% wrong. And that's giving a good number. I'll say it again. Memory is 90% wrong. The reason why memory is 90% wrong is if I ask you something that happened before, your brain is going to introduce something that you're going to get out of it, i.e. either for a joy, protection, or some type of feeling that's good for you. That's it. 
Your brain is the most overbearing, loving, caring protector in history. So it does not want you to feel negative, pain, or sorrow. So why would I, as a brain, want you to think you're wrong? Why would I do that to you? It feels uncomfortable. I know because we felt wrong before and it made your stomach this way. It made you feel this way. So I'm never going to let that happen again, the brain says. So the mind says, okay, so we'll make sure we protect you. So no matter what, you're never going to feel this. That's what the mind does. The mind is huge that way. The brain wants to run the chemistry, but the mind just says, hey, we're going to stay away from this if it's uncomfortable. Or we're going to defend this so I can feel comfortable. That's memory. So whatever riff you have now in the present moment, you can have discussion on a moment and you're all going to see things differently. You can watch. We can all watch a movie together. and We're going to look at something differently. So when we talk about memory, we're not even talking about. Things that we were there for, but now you're going to talk about things that I've read. Things that I've seen through video. Whose video? Who wrote it? What readings? What did they get out of it? And why did they write it? I'm a writer. I've written over 10 books. It's people tell me. Who are you writing this to? I say, I write because I'm a neuroscientist and I just want to explain things. They're like, but you got to write to your audience. I personally don't know how to do that because I write on, on science level. It's not to anyone. It's just what it is. Now, I always do tell you, go do your own research and then come back and let's have a discussion about what you found out. I don't, if you read my stuff and say, man, Dr. Dyer said this and take it as fact and run like a jackrabbit, now you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I know why I wrote it and I I know the science behind it and I can discuss that, but you can't do that in a book. So who is writing it? Why did they write it? And how are you receiving it? And how are you reading it? Mm -hmm. Is that, is that being questioned in the, the 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 riff? No, we're just talking about what I think and what you think. Great, but there's no riff. It can't be a riff because it's not so much what I know and you know. It's what we think, and what we think we got from information how we got it. Exactly. So where's where's the riff? Exactly. So there are many different factors as to why there shouldn't be a riff. Right. Exactly. It, yeah. it, 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 it doesn't make sense to have a riff because of all of the different factors. And, and, and what riffs do is destroy communication. It destroys communication within yourself. And if it destroys communication within yourself, it destroys communication on how you're how you you are spewing it or disseminating it, and if it, and if and if communication is destroyed, then communities are destroyed, and if communities are destroyed, then people in the community are destroyed, and that mm. means people die from right. rifts, misinformation. That's all it is. 
How about we collect all the information and put it together and have our truth? Mm. But sometimes people like to protect their ego. Well, oh, well, yeah, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And, that, and so that goes back to understanding who you are, exactly. understanding why you do things where you do. You're going to come up with the ego in your room, in your personal mental room, where you're going to be like, ego's going to be over there in the corner. You're like, you know, I, I wonder why I think of this. And ego's going to turn around like, do you want anything to drink? And then you're like, no, 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 right now I'm thinking. And then you're going to end up going with, you know, man, I'm feeling some sort of way. Do you want chips? Ego says you want chips with that. So you never really ask ego, why Why are you even here? <laughs> like, you're like hanging out with me like we're bros, man. Like, like and, and, Right. But ego sits next to you and says, you know, I would have never let that person ask me that question. Man, that's what I'm, I'm trying to tell you. But so we don't ever question the ego. So, but the ego is the person in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I like that, man. Yeah, I like, I like, I like how he breaks it down, man. He he teaches it like he put it in the most easiest way for people to get it to grasp. They right. probably go right over their head, or they just walk right past it. <laughs> so like, right, you know, it's kind of crazy. So going back, going back to our people, and you know, coming out of slavery and you know, uh, the Jim Crow era, civil mm-hmm. rights movement. The we're in the second era. Jim Crow era, by the way. You said we're in the second Jim Crow era. I see that. Now, why do you say that, though? So what was Jim Crow about? It was about regulating who can go and what can do and where and when, right? Mm-hmm. Black people can't go here at this time, this place. That's what the Jim Crow law, right? And then there was black codes, right? And that was that was come up. Mm-hmm. So we're in the second Jim Crow because black people have not connected to a unified way of living in peace. We keep saying, like, no justice, no peace. Well, you're never gonna have peace if you keep thinking you're gonna fight for justice for people that don't want to give you justice. You have to look look for peace first. And if you look for peace first, that means you're looking for connection, community, love, right? We're not even talking about difference of opinion. If we first come to each other as a unity, we will develop our own justice in our own way, right? But we keep looking for justice, which you're never going to get from this, in which we have no peace within ourselves, so we end up arguing, fighting, and killing each other, right? Mm-hmm. There is a way forward. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, the people who have done so well for themselves in the Black community, and so this and so that, in prosperity and economics. I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about, there is still no unification of it. And how, and how do we know? Because there's still slums in Brooklyn. When you have a billion-dollar basketball team, you have a billion-dollar basketball team that sits right in the middle of Brooklyn. No no black person built it, right? A lot of people spend money to go to it, and that money goes where? Not in our community. So does that sound like there's a unification there? No, but we don't even look at it that way. Trust I did hear a Brooklyn shot though. 
That's okay. You know, you know, that's the, but you know, all right, Brooklyn got slum, but the Bronx is dirty. Let's just say that. <laughs> I, I get it. And I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Yankee fan. And the Yankees are in the, and Yankees are in the Bronx. And I get yeah. it, it. That's over multi-billion dollars. But we know John George Steinbrenner and the family, they were never giving money back to the black community. But why didn't the players? George Steinbrenner has no um, history for black people. That's fine. He can make his money and run and do all this. But what about the players? Because our people got this thing that once I make it, well, I figure it out. You you guys figure it out. Right. We so that. there goes to the unity issue. Yeah. So, yeah. So that goes to the unity issue, which is causes, we go back to, we use the word riff again, mm-hmm. which causes a riff. So now people are trying to, and, and, and the, the power over system was brought to us through slavery. From the house Negro to the field Negro to all the different types of Negroes there were, right? Someone's on top of you, right? And we still believe that if I can get into the house, I'll protect my family. Even though I, I, I was cool with people out in the field, but now I'm in the house, my family gets to come to the back of the house and they get to eat well. Exactly. And that's okay. Nope. It it was okay for them, right? When people want to run away with slaves, we, if you read the slave stories, they were like, will you come with us? Like, why why would I leave here? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. this, this is great. <laughs> and they're like, and then they go to the house. They're like, hey, um, that, that Paul, he's going to run. Thank you, Thomas. <laughs> you know? It's crazy. He told because he developed a power over system. Blacks cannot, American Africans, because we're not African Americans. Mm-hmm. We've lost that since, we lost it since 1860. We don't have African Americans. We have generations of American Africans. Mm. American Africans That's do weird. not have a home to run to. Every culture on this in the United States, if they got sick of this, they could go back to their country. So we have to be peace in this country because we there is no other place for us to go to. This is it. It doesn't matter if Ghana accept us. Thank you. It doesn't matter if Ghana. Thank you for. All the things you like to do for all dark-skinned people. I really, I think it's great. But we're not taking 16 million people over there. Because we're actually 17.5. Mm-hmm. So where are we supposed to go? So we need our peace here. We need unity to work here. And the only way that keeps us separated is idealism and rifts. Exactly. Religion, our own form of class. We have we have classism within classism amongst our own people. Correct. We have these 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 um I call it these sad, ill fated self hatred rips of team light skin, team dark skin. Yeah. Well, I mean, and just think of how many organizations, how many organizations, nonprofit, who build upon that. 
You know, we had the Borgers, right? We've always had the light-skinned people that did well than others, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then we know of different um, Greek fraternities that placates on different skin colors. Exactly. Let's talk about the Nation of Islam. You want to bring it up? Go ahead. Oh man! But hey, you had Elijah Muhammad. Yeah, yes, man. He was my my complexion, right? Yeah. You had uh, Malcolm X. He wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't your complexion. He was lighter. Lighter. He was lighter than you. I believe he was. Yeah, he was lighter. Yeah, he was lighter. Yeah, and then. Now you have uh, Farrakhan. You had Khaled, who could have been close, who was looking like me at one point, but he got ousted for his words at that college, at King's College, that speech he gave. Yeah. That was considered Mm anti-Semitic. Yeah. But but Farrakhan, you know, let's see what happens next. You know what I'm saying? I feel bad for him. He does speak a lot of good... Yes, he does. See. But he speaks it on a platform that is good for him. Mm. It's good for him. So I have a thing. It doesn't work for people who has less than him. Mm. You you take Farrakhan's speech, which is a lot of good truths. And you put it to a person who's living in, you know, you know, God. Brooklyn, 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 the Bronx. Brooklyn. <laughs> you know what? You see, <laughs> you, 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 okay. you got to stop it. <laughs> but but you 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 take people living in a lower income and put those words that he he or she might speak. Where do you think they'll end up? You think they'll end up with a career and a job? You think they could finagle their way into Fortune 500? Unless they create their own? So it it's good for him. Yeah. Because he's supported by people like us. But we can't support each other. that's what confuses me. I'm not talking about don't support him, but why do we have a hard time supporting each other and and checking in to make sure we're okay with each other's mental health? There are other other finances, other economic issues. I remember growing up, and I'm 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 57, um, they used to have mortgage burning parties for the community would come over in the block. The community. I, f- I don't have to pay a mortgage anymore. Everybody would come. I remember when people used to have only a couple thousand dollars left to pay for the mortgage, and they raised a couple thousand dollars in the community, and they would help people pay off their mortgage. Go down your neighborhood and ask someone to help you pay your rent because you're just a little bit out. They'll tell you to go somewhere. That's a fact. What he said. We don't have that unity. That's so beautifully put, as you said it. We are our own. We are our worst enemy because even in our music, what we do, we compete against each other. Not in the, not in the passion, yep. not in the craft of battle rap. But we like to say, 
half the mm-hmm. lyrics. I got more money than you. I took your girl. You're a bum. This and that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn. Your fans made you rich. And we're taking all of that in, though. My. Yeah. But look who's allowing that to. We could say we own our own record label. We can say we own our own production list. But you still need white America to put it on the airwaves. Mm, Nigga shot off for that. Make it sound like the Bronx. Let's, 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 come on, let's put something like the Bronx. It's like the Bronx. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, we still need the opposite to put it on the airwaves. Stop that. Except, you know, this modern day, there's YouTube, there's SoundCloud. I get all that. But who controls the internet? So Bingo. there are some things they they allow through because it hurts us. And it keeps the boogeyman on everyone else's mind saying this is what they're all about. Steve, man. You're a man of many hats. I love what you're contributing, man. 